Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Starship Podcast Warlock. I am Drew. I am Jeff. And we have been watching Blackadder, as you know, if you listen to the past, uh, hold on, let me do some math here. Uh, I guess it's 30 episodes. Has it only been 30 episodes? Well, um, I, well, that hasn't been just Blackadder then. Uh, right. And the young ones. And yes. Yeah. Season one is the young ones. So if you haven't like scrolled back enough to find that out and you're like, oh, the young ones, Mm -hmm. as we all do when we say the the name of the show, the young ones, oh, the young ones. Uh, yes. Go back and listen to those. Um, I don't know why I'm telling you this. You can just read it on the page. But the point is, we are at a uh, juncture for Blackadder. We have just finished Blackadder the third, and uh, in between there are a couple of specials. Uh, and the first one that we're going to watch shortly is the Cavalier Gears, and uh, it is shortly <laughs> because it's only 15 minutes. So we have a little extra bonus we're going to do that's even longer than the special so we'll come to that uh soon in the meantime uh jeff and i uh thought we'd compare notes on things that we're reading things that we're watching listening to all that sort of thing um i i'll get tv out of the way really um i am alternating right now having finished the russell t davis series um it's a sin which was brilliant but really you know a bit heavy a little, a little depressing given the subject matter especially um i am uh, cleansing my palate a little bit with some light comedy so i'm alternating letter kenny and the fresh prince of bel-air which somehow i never saw oh when i was God. a kid yeah it, you know, I, i'm curious about letter <laughs> just because i i have enough people that have poked me about that and i've seen little bits and pieces and i'm like yeah that doesn't impress me very much but i i have to wonder if it's the sort of thing that okay you start watching it and then then you change your tune on that so how, how do you feel about it so far well and where are you okay so i i'm i think at the beginning of the fifth season and they're pretty short seasons they're like these they're like six or seven episodes each um and i i at first i was like oh my god I don't, i'm not gonna like this and then an episode or two and i'm like oh i really like this this is fun um, and right about like maybe the middle of the second season to uh, the middle of the third season, I started being like, okay, this is getting a little formulaic for me now and a little repetitive. Um, and uh, the fifth season has had a lot of really kind of didactic episodes in it where I'm like, okay, you know, your heart is in the right place, but I, I don't really believe what's happening here. It's just a thing you decided to have happen. So, I mean, it's mm. not aiming to be the most believable show in the world, but I think what I liked about it at first, um, and it's still technically there is even though it's set in Canada, uh, it's, it's not really far from, uh, central slash Western New York, uh, where I grew up both in terms of its, uh, geography and also in terms of like the culture, (laughs) because it's a very, very small town. It's, it's maybe, it's half the size of the town that I went to high school and junior high in. Um, but some of the same feel of it, I think, still uh, applies. Maybe the town I, I grew up in was a little less farmy compared to a few of the ones around, but still. Um, so it's interesting to watch it with that in mind and uh, and think about the kind of weird characters that uh, inhabit small towns like that. That's kind of fun. Hmm. Uh, interesting but there's there's this thing that they do where they um 
it's kind of a banter uh, where they kind of riff on a thing and they're so pleased with themselves. You can tell, <laughs> but they, it's so they'll start on that and you'll be like, Oh boy, here we go. We're in for like several minutes of, of riffing that I could Gee, that, probably have gotten drunken. That that, that's nothing that we've ever done. <laughs> well, that's the point. Like we could, we could sit around and do that. We don't have to have a TV show to do it. We could be doing it on a TV show or on a podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is now the riffing podcast where we just make a lot of stupid puns on things. Um, so anyway, it's it's fun, though. It's <laughs> Ten seconds light, of silence. Right. Uh, <laughs> I am the hippopotamus. My rhymes are bottomless. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm watching that. And, uh, of course, uh, The Fresh Prince, I, I think it started in 1990. So technically... I probably had a couple of years when I could have been watching it before I went to college and then didn't really have a chance to watch uh, really anything while it was happening for about four years or so. Um, but, you know, I there were a lot of sitcoms around that time. I was not watching a lot of those. Um, and now going back to watch it, I mean, it is very much of its time, but it's, uh, it's charming. I like it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And now I get some Prince of the references. Charming. Uh-huh. <laughs> that... Now I get some of the references that people have made to it over the years, which is fun. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's what I'm watching. Uh, are you okay. watching anything? I, uh, well, I mean, I, I've have been a Marvel zombie yet, So I finished watching, uh, WandaVision as that came on. And, uh, and now, uh, as, as I speak, as we record this, um, episode two of Falcon winter soldier just dropped. So I, I just watched that. Um, and it's been it's been enjoyable. Um, less enamored of Falcon Winter Soldier so far. Um, mainly, I think WandaVision was very adventurous, although very much a um, well. I don't want to spoil stuff for people that haven't, haven't seen it, but uh, but uh, I'm I'm curious to see where Falcon and Winter Soldier is going. And actually, there are some uh, there are some very interesting implications that I didn't really think that they were going to consider. Uh, you got a hint that they were going to consider it, but they. Um, it's really, um, it, it's interesting. A, a lot more, um, post blip world drama is about all I'll say. Um, hmm. but, um, it's interesting in that regard. Uh, but, um, and, and also tying back to definitely a couple of, of arcs from the comic book and, and, um, and very political in its own way. I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, and then, um, occasionally I've been rewatching some, older series just for the hell of it. I've, I've popped on Babylon five and watched mm-hmm. that, um, you know, main, usually mainly second and third season. And I know exactly which episodes I feel like watching at a given time. Um, that, that's, that's, uh, that's comfort food for me, I guess. Um, I can see that. Yeah. A lot. Um, yeah. Other than that, I haven't been, I haven't been watching much, even like, you know, the, the old, um, Futurama reruns or whatever they're on TV at that point. I just, I just haven't felt like watching, uh, so much, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, well, let's talk about reading for a minute. Um, you brought up the subject of children's books, considering we were talking before we started recording about the fact that Beverly Cleary died today, author of the Ramona mm-hmm. books and I guess some other stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is sad. I remember liking this when I was a kid. Um, I think she was 104. Is that what I read? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Starship Podcast Warlock, reading a news from... <laughs> A while ago. Now you know when we're recording yeah. this. Um, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, I had a lot more time to read when I was a kid. Um, I, I used to go to the library and just take stacks of them out. I could barely carry them. And I would read, I think, most of them and then bring them back. You know, they weren't all like novels. Uh, I, I read checking uh, out. Did, did you ever read the uh, the Boxcar Children series? I read every single one of those. I don't um, think so. Yeah, I don't know why I was enamored of that. It's funny. I mean, I remember um, uh, the the Tripods, the White Mountain trilogy, which was originally oh, yeah. serialized in Boy Scouts Boys Life magazine as comics. But I, I read the um, uh, I, I read the books, which you know is is really a, a kind of a kid centric. Um, take, I guess you could say on War of the Worlds, but it's mm-hmm. more along the lines of the world's already been conquered and people's technology are back to uh, back to 19th century. And, and uh, there, there's a little, there's a good par- um, parable of, of uh, you know, not trusting anybody uh, over 13, I suppose. Um, <laughs> just, to, just um, I, I th- there were some things that I think I didn't pick up in that book until I reread it when I was older. And they, they actually made a British TV series out of it, mm-hmm. uh, of which they only made the first two seasons, and then it got unceremoniously canceled, unfortunately. And I believe that was during the Doctor Who hiatus, right? That was um, that was given the Who slot um, uh, between '84 and '86 when um, when oh. they uh, attempted to retool the show. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read those as a kid. I remember liking those. Um, of course, I was into Madeline Lingle, uh, Wrinkle in Time, Wind yeah. of the Door, and Swiftly Tilting Planet. Super into those books. Uh, what else? Yeah, it's funny. I hadn't thought about that. I, um, well, I also read a lot of Asimov. I was, mm-hmm. uh, I was um, for a while, it was the... I'm, only interested in science fiction and Isaac Asimov is the only person that <laughs> I'm interested in like that. I, I, I went through that phase and actually, um, foundation for all of its, its flaws. I still enjoy going back. There was a eighties, uh, British radio series, which you can find on like, you know, the internet archive, um, and find it plenty of other places. Like I, I listen to it sometimes like before falling asleep, going to bed. Aren't um, they making a series of that now? Uh, yeah, I, um, I saw the trailer. I'm not sure how I feel <laughs> about it, but we'll we'll see how it goes. I um, I never finished the book, so I don't know much about it. Um, yeah, but uh, one of my favorite science fiction authors when I was a kid was William Slater, who I don't know if many people really know who he was. I'm not familiar with that name. Um, so he wrote a bunch of different science fiction things that were they were a little angsty. Uh, I think in a, a justified way. Uh, for example. Uh, there's one called Green Futures of Tycho, which uh, that basically title rings a bell. Yeah, this kid finds a little time machine and he uses it, and then like he like flashes forward, and it, like all his siblings have grown up to be like severe assholes, uh, but actually uh, he's grown up to be the worst one of all. <laughs> so he sees like <laughs> his future, and I think he then goes back into it's it's a little uh, uh, Christmas Carol, actually. In that he kind of goes back and and tries to be a better person. Um, there's one called. Oh man, we should have talked about this next week. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, here's here's uh, one with a great premise. I think called Singularity. And in this one, uh, these two twins find um, this like shack in the woods, um, and it's got a singularity in it, basically. So like, there's they go into the shack and they come out and. Hardly any time has passed on the outside, but a lot has passed on the inside. Um, and I think I'm trying to remember the details. I think they're both sort of after the same girl. <laughs> and like one of them decides to spend a bunch of time in the shack and get older and stronger, 
like he works out in the shack and gets older than his brother so he can come out and like dominate him or something. <laughs> it's it's a very weird book, but also uh, interesting, kind of unforgettable. And then there's one that I would imagine just about anybody who likes science fiction at all would enjoy called Interstellar Pig. And in that <laughs> one, <laughs> this kid, he's on uh, like a summer vacation or something and the people in the next house over are these like uh, cool... Uh, young adults basically and they uh they start playing this game with him this board game um and eventually he realizes that they are aliens in disguise they're in fact the aliens that are part of the board game and they're trying to find this real thing called the piggy which is supposedly going to give them uh unimaginable power so he he basically ends up having to fight them uh to prevent them from getting it uh it's a pretty wild little book huh uh, and there's there's one called House of Stairs, which is, uh, I think, a precursor to a bunch of these. We got put into a psychological experiment uh, to fight each other. A little have-no-mouth-must-scream sort of deal, but uh, uh, but for kids. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting <laughs> dude. I know. <laughs> Harlan Ellison, but for kids. I like it. Yeah, he's, he's a really interesting uh, author. Uh, unfortunately, no longer with us, but I did meet him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he signed oh, cool. some books of mine uh, because my mom was a librarian and he was speaking at some meeting that they had. So that was cool. Cool. We could probably go on about this for a while now that I think That's about true. it. We could talk about books that we read in our youth or, or books that we... Uh, um, I know one thing we talked about a little bit beforehand was uh, other things that I was reading recently that I mm. could not get through. Which oh, was, yes. Um, uh, the Books of Dust, the prequel to... Um, to Golden Compass, and I mean, I have to admit, I the original series. I feel like I should like it more than I do, or rather, I like mm-hmm. the outline, I like the themes, I like um, I, I like what it's uh, what it's trying to say and, and its subversive nature to it. But I, the books itself um, got less and less interesting to me as it went on. The last one in particular, you knew that. I knew that I was in trouble where, you know, it, it split between what was going on with the main characters and this other character that came in later on that they were focusing mainly on the on the ecosystem. And, uh, I mean, they, it plays almost as interstitials. And I was more interested in that ecosystem <laughs> uh, than I was in the main story. And, and uh, so I was curious how the prequels would, uh, would work. And um, the first one was okay. The, the second one I just couldn't get through. And I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe I can pick it up again. But, you know... Uh, when you're stranded on desert island and and um, when you're stranded in a pandemic and okay, <laughs> look I, I look we, we the internet you could pick up anything you want I, uh, um, I I actually have some other books that I should be reading I picked up like the first book in um, like the Murderbot Chronicles which I know people love um, I, I haven't had a chance to start reading that one yet uh, so you can get any book that you want frankly uh, mm-hmm. but uh, but this one has just sat and languished and. That's a shame. Uh, well, I've tried. I mean, uh, the thing is, I, I feel exactly the same way you do about the uh, Dark Materials series. Um, it's a really strangely shaped set of books. Uh, like, I feel like I would, I should really like a fantasy series that's kind of explicitly atheist um, or anti-theist. I don't know what you want to say, but um, that, that first book is all this kind of like fanciful fantasy stuff. Then the second book is a kind of weird, dark, almost science fiction fantasy from what I recall. And actually, that was the one I liked the best, The Subtle Knife. That was yeah. that was my favorite one. 
because uh, it just seems so different. Uh, whereas the first one was filled with like talking bears and this, you know, uh, charismatic balloon operator and, uh, you know, animals that follow you around and are kind of your soul. And it, it just like, I was like, oh, come on. And then the third book, like you said, it is just a mess. Like it just, and, I recall it just being all over the place and so dull. And I was like, oh my God. Well, and I'm, I'm sad that like, you know, they, I thought maybe this would be a case where the adaptation would be better than the original books. <laughs> and sadly, you know, the, uh, both the original movie and, and the TV series, I, I think I, I did start watching it to see how that would go. And, um, sadly, neither of them, uh, Neither of them worked for me either. There were bits that were laudable, but mm-hmm. just uh, the whole was less than the sum of the parts. Um, I got through the first season of the series. I have seen the movie too, but um, I do kind of want to go and watch the second one just because I'm hoping it has more subtle knife stuff in it. Mm. But uh, Well, I, I mean, the, 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 uh, there were already bits of it in the first one because mm-hmm. you were already bringing the boy in from... Uh, uh, from the first series, whereas you know he's not, not there really until the second book. Yep. So they, they tried to thread bits of it and a little bit of the prequel as well in there. Oh, interesting. Um, so they, they tried to, but um, yeah. Hmm. Um, it feels like something I want to read the cliff notes of, I think, more than the prose. Um, yeah. I I've... just couldn't get enchanted by it. Maybe if I were a kid, uh, all that stuff would have been more enchanting to me, but... That's possible, and I, I apologize any any um, uh, Pullman fans or or um, Bill Pullman himself if he's listening. Uh, <laughs> well, of course he I is. I doubt, but yeah. Um, well, that way at least somebody will write to us on, on Twitter. <laughs> so, Philip Pullman, if you're out there, please send us an angry note about uh, what we said about your books, and I apologize in advance. Um, but I did read all of them, so that's something. Yeah, on that wow. note, <laughs> we could go let's, on about children's books for a long time, but actually the sum of the two things that we're watching is is greater than the usual episode, so maybe we should get to it. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> all right, well, thank you for bearing with us, everyone. Uh, we will now watch The Cavalier Years. Um, so uh, we will take a quick uh, interlude to play you a little bit of interstitial music, and then we'll be back so that you can... You can have skipped all the nonsense we've just been saying and start the episode, but you didn't find that out until now. All right, we'll be right back. All right, it is time for us to begin watching The Cavalier Years. Um, So hopefully you have your DVD or whatever you're watching queued up to zero. Uh, That's where uh, Jeff and I are going to start. And as always, we'll count down three... Two, one, play, and on play, we all press play at the same time, and Bob's your uncle. Jeff, are you ready? Yes, except Bob is not my uncle. Oh, well, I'm glad you clarified that. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. Round heads. <laughs> I still want to know Aww. who Blackadder is having these kids with. Hmm. 
Looks like a quickly redressed third season set. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Interesting, his nastiness level is a little bit more up to Blackadder 2 levels. Yep. <laughs> Brilliant. See, uh, Inglorious Bastards was inspired by this scene. Hmm. <laughs> oh, good job, Valdrick. My subtitle said Prince Charles accent. <laughs> oh my god this is, oh That's it's a, a fish type okay. of fish slapping yes gross Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> Saw that one coming. Mm-hmm. I like the outfits from the last series better. That's kind of the same joke as the squirrel. <laughs> It's very Ecclesian. A little bit. What do I mean by mean? <laughs> what do I mean by do? <laughs> I wondered how that joke was going to play out. <laughs> It's really in a bad mood. <laughs> Yay! You knew it was going to be a turnip. Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> That's adorable. Ha <laughs> 
I wonder what it could be. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> all right yay um i uh i think i got a little bit behind you because uh my uh screensaver came on in the middle of that oh no all right uh well i just remember we, we should take a short uh break and then we'll come back to discuss it so here we go Okay, we are back to talk about the Cavalier years. Um, what do you think, Jeff? Well, not to be too cavalier about <laughs> it, but um, why did I laugh at that? I don't know. You encouraged me so much. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm supportive. Uh, see, we should have we should have gone for that um, that all riff fest. I'm telling you <laughs> um, that uh, it was an enjoyable piece of. Uh, piece of fluff i mean you know it has some little bits that i enjoy the whole i'm too i'm too tired to uh, hit you please run toward my fist um mm -hmm. it, it has some good bits in there to be honest and uh stephen fry it's interesting because you could picture you know hugh laurie again playing the the thick as a whale omelet um uh royalty but it's interesting having uh having stephen fry do it this time and he plays it very very differently um and uh i'm that entertains the hell out of me um and I know we've talked about Jeeves and Worcester before, and um, yeah, well, at any rate, um, his his upper class twit of the year works very very well in in this particular bit. Um, I'm trying to remember who played Cromwell. He looks familiar, but I can't think of who he is. Um, I um, it, Warren Clark is his name. Okay, and he um, was he was dim in <laughs> Clockwork Orange. Oh dear, uh, and oh. I guess he's no. The name was the name of the character. Dim. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. Um, He's been in a few other things. You're clever, but I'm dim, dim of the yard. <laughs> what, what would we see? Um, yeah, yeah. Was, wasn't he? He's been in Blackadder before, isn't he? Was he the father of? No, I don't think. Well, hold on, I'm looking. 
Yeah. Normally, we would have Wikipedia and IMDb open before this. You what were we thinking? I don't even see... Um, I don't even see that credited on his Wikipedia page. Interesting. But he has a bunch of other credits that are impressive. Oh, ah, yes. Uh, and and I was right. And in the episode, Amy and Amiability of the series Black Adder the Third. Yes, he was Miranda Richardson's oh, father. Okay. All um, right. I would, I would take off my belt and by Joe, my trousers would fall down. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good call. Oh, I see it now, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, that was that was him. Um, I I have to say the most intriguing part of this for me was uh, Stephen Fry's Charles the First because I, I don't really know much about Charles the First. Not that I know something about like all of the other kings, but like that whole bit that he was doing about you know being interested in in people and uh, uh, young people getting jobs and that sort of thing. I was I was trying to skim his Wikipedia page real quick, the one he edited himself, and mm-hmm. see. <laughs> See if that stemmed from something historical or was just a choice he made. I, I have to. I have to believe there's some. I, I mean, I, I think he's he plays it like you know a great, um, completely, completely unaware, um, unaware of the proles, uh, um, upper class mm. uh, politician, and, and or or host almost. And that point. yeah, I, I I absolutely love that. It's very different than the than the wild partying uh, of. Um, of the Prince Regent, basically, yep. in comparison. Um, I, I also wanted to point out that, and I, I think I mentioned this during the episode, that, um, you know, granted this is set between Blackadder 2 and Blackadder 3, and I think the character is closer to Blackadder 2, that, you know, I mean, he's immediately threatening yep. Baldrick with a knife, right? I mean, his, uh, uh, we don't get to see too much of what his relation is between him and the and the king. There's much more of a reaction between him and, and Baldrick, but it's definitely much more, uh, much more threatening and much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, it was a little one note for me. I think it, this is not my favorite incarnation of Blackadder. I think, um, but what struck me about it is uh, that for us, or at least for me, all this stuff, you know, first of all, seems like semi ancient history, um, and also not my history. Um, you know, not the history of the the country where I grew up at any rate. Hashtag not Drew's history. <laughs> um, but I, I, I have to believe that to, you know, uh, people from England, um, or from Britain in general, perhaps, um, it, it's gotta be slightly weird for this show to basically be asserting, Hey, the guy who cut off his head was this Blackadder fellow that we've been watching. Uh, this kind of villain of history. Um, this kind of goes back to the stuff we were saying about series one. Um, but yeah, his his role in history <laughs> is is pretty major if you if you sort of think about it. Um, I guess it feels a little bit like I'm trying to think what the equivalent would be. Maybe um, a show about various presidents and like the same person is there screwing things up. Um, or so, like yeah, so, Forrest so Gump or John, something. <laughs> so you know, John Wilkes Booth and yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald were were related somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, I, I mean, well, I mean, if you were going to use the case, I mean, actually, between this and the end of series three, both of them have ended with um, with the uh, the monarch getting uh, getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, although probably uh, the whole point is nobody really knows that in terms of three, but. Um, well, actually, the monarch gets killed at the end of two, also, right? Mm, um, yes, it's true. So, yeah, uh, so. but not one. Weirdly, that's yeah, true. That's because 
would you kill Brian Blessed? <laughs> Could I kill Brian Blessed? The answer is no. Yeah, exact, exactly. Very difficult thing to pull off. Um, mm-hmm. And not that I would want to. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I this is, uh, 15 minutes was about the right length for this one for me. Uh, but it was fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they could have found more if, if uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what else could they have done of the Cavalier years for that point? Um, it's interesting to speculate, but it's also worth noting that they did go ahead and do a series after that, but mm-hmm. um, based on that. I mean, but then again, they'd already done three, so maybe they'd thought about this and figured, well, there was not much more that they can do than a little bit of a, uh, a, little bit of a toss-off, and then um, <laughs> as opposed to, yeah, as opposed to where they go next. Um, yeah. Well, of course, it's also worth noting that, you know, the next special that we have is like a a full hour or longer. But then again, that's based on a particular story that normally runs about that long. And they Mm -hmm. they they, they stay fairly close to the original. Well, kind of. Um, (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. And uh, again, maybe we should start listening to a Black Adder podcast to find this out. But. Mm. I'm wondering if they expected to do another series after three uh, or if they were like, hey, we have an opportunity to do it. What would we do and had to come up with it? Because I think as we'll talk about four, it feels like it has uh, the most reason to exist in a way of of all of them you know, having like this thematic point. Like if that were the only black hatter that ever existed, I think it would probably still be something people talked about just because mm-hmm. of the subject matter, the way it ends, everything else. Um, it's, it's just very different. So I wonder if they were like, what could we do now? Oh, maybe we'll do world war one. How are we going to do it? Um, and had to figure that out. Or if it was like, well, I guess that's where we're headed next. So let's come up with a way to make this work. You know, was it an idea they had yeah. beforehand or what? So I, I think it'd be interesting to know that. Um, and, and whether like these specials were, uh, until then, like just last little hurrahs for Blackadder, or if it was like we're still coming up with that thing, let's do these in the meantime. Yeah. So, um, anything else you want to say about this one? Uh, no, I think we I think we covered it uh, mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, uh, one one other note. Uh, sorry, so I guess there is one other thing. Uh, looking at the uh, ever popular Wikipedia for this. Um, <laughs> Uh, Cromwell's uh, guard was Hugh Laurie, which we totally didn't. Oh yes, I didn't. I didn't either. Uh, funny. And one of the voices in the crowd at the execution was Tim McInerney. Both of them were uncredited, but nice. Uh, yes, if you couldn't pick out Tim McInerney's voice, then you're not a real Blackadder fan. Clearly, I, I guess I'm not a real Blackadder fan. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um, uh, mm. Rumbled. Yep. All right. Um, good. Good factoids. Uh, mm-hmm. Well. Uh, we, of course, as I said, have planned a little extra bonus, um, which is actually longer than the Cavalier years, but, uh, is fun for us to talk about because it involves, um, I think Richard Curtis is involved a little bit, uh, but definitely Rowan Atkinson is involved pretty heavily. Uh, and the thing we're going to watch is a parody of Doctor Who, uh, done for comic relief, right? Was it comic relief? Yes, just as, just as Cavalier years was. And, uh... It was, uh, a, I already mentioned that it was a parody of Doctor Who, didn't I? I'm losing my mm, mind. You did. It's called mm. The Curse of Fatal Death. I remember what I was going to mention about it, which is that it was written by Stephen Moffat, who, of course, would end up uh, running Doctor Who for 
uh, what, five years? About five years. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's interesting. And we're going to watch it. Uh, so the way we're going to do this is we are going to watch it on YouTube. Um, and I will put the uh, the links to the ones that we're using into the show notes. So if you want to watch the exact same one that we're watching, which is probably a good idea, you can do that. Um, so yeah, check the show notes for those links. Um, we're going to take a, a little break here and then come back and start that up. Okay, we are about to watch The Curse of Fatal Death on YouTube, um, and uh, hopefully you found the link in the show notes, and you have it queued up to zero zero, and we're ready to go. Uh, we'll say three, two, one, play, and then we'll go. Ready? Three, two, one, play. It's so wild to see Rowan Atkins' face in the credits. Interestingly, the classic logo. Mm-hmm. And title sequence. Tom B- Tom Baker era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe this shot looks like it's taken from the TV movie. Oh, yeah, huh? Oh, is it the master? <laughs> He is such a great master. You know, if only he were as campy as Anthony Ainley. Uh, he is doing a pretty great Ainley right now, I have to say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, Jonathan Price is brilliant in this. Utterly yeah. brilliant. Safi. <laughs> says Rick here <laughs> like even the music is uh, is top notch yep 
<laughs> oh no, Scoob! <laughs> Put the candle back. <laughs> I love the look on Julia Swallow's face. <laughs> Smarmy. <laughs> that was the five doctors cue. This was, of course, much more shocking in the days before Rose. That's true. Gross. <laughs> well, now we know his true name. You seem to have fallen down a three-foot well. You were right. <laughs> Tree mass. Hmm. Or Rowenges. <laughs> they were in this Ha, ha, ha. 
He reused this in uh, The Magician's Apprentice. Or rather, The Witch's Familiar. Huh. <laughs> Doctor Who used the Wilhelm before? <laughs> he really should have closed that <laughs> I was going to say that joke never gets old but he does uh -huh. running through corridors running through corridors through corridors <laughs> How adorable. And this is where it originally cut from part one to part two. Mm. We're just going to... Got to have a cliffhanger. The entire thing. Yep. <laughs> Red Nose Day. I wonder if Jonathan Price was a big fan. Like, it's so dead on. Oh, yeah, no, he's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's the okay that gets me. <laughs> what, no rails? 
<laughs> God. I love the fact it's actually a <laughs> solid plot point. Yeah. faces I had forgotten how much of that there was. And the music choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. For those of you listening at home. Logopolis. It's the end, but the moment has been prepared for. <laughs> Oh my god, it's the great intelligence. <laughs> the other nice ninth doctor from Scream of the Shaka. Yep. Look at their little panels between the gun and the sucker. <laughs> I love Jim Broadbent. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> is this the beginning of the bright light regeneration? Yeah, I was thinking about that during um, when Rowan Atkinson yeah. was regenerating. But the moment has been... Never mind, I did that joke <laughs> Is he already. the 12th now? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the word that you wanted to use? did this in the Dr. Falls, too. Yep. And also a beam that would destroy someone's ability to regenerate. Mm-hmm. universe without the doctor scarcely and never mind <laughs> and now the oddest abfab reunion you've ever seen We'd sing, sing, sing. <laughs> God, I, God, I love that joke.
Oh, that was fun. Yay. As before, we will take a short break, and then we'll come back and discuss it, and then we're done. But watch the credits first. Exactly. These are riveting. I do wish they had used the classic font. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's a pity. That's it. I hate this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> Not canon. <laughs> Not canon. Richard Curtis, Sue Virtue. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll be right back after this. Okay, so that was the Curse of Fatal Death. Lots and lots of fun. Um, Jeff, what, what I noticed the most about this uh, is how many of the things that happened in the new series happened first here? Um, yeah, I, I've thought about that a bit over uh, over time. You're absolutely right about that. Um, and right down to the one thing I didn't say at the end was the fact that, of course, the 13th Doctor um, changing... Gender um, that didn't quite look like Jodie Whittaker, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was number thirteen, wasn't it? That's super funny. It was indeed. Mm -hmm. Well, again, do you count the War Doctor? Do you count? But yeah, anyways, I guess. Um, I mean, she's she's thirteen. Come on. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. just because it's not the thirteenth regeneration doesn't mean it's not the thirteenth Doctor. Yeah. And anyway, um, yeah, I, that's that's the story, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, the, <laughs> the fact that. Um, that Stephen Moffat played up the the romance. I mean, of course, mm -hmm. that wasn't him. That was Russell T. Davies in the. Uh, um, maybe that's it. Maybe that's how he got the idea for for Rose and Ten because he was thinking of the Curse of Fatal Death. I, I don't think so. <laughs> but but I I, mean, I'm sure they did. The, that that stuff started in the TV movie. So uh, yes, they did. Well, I blame the Americans. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's true. I mean and. You know, it's funny to look back at that now and remember that, you know, in the original series, first of all, the Doctor was not a god. Uh, mm -hmm. He was just, you know, um, I was going to say cosmic hobo, although that was really more Troughton, I suppose, in particular. But, but you know, just kind of a gadabout traveling around and, and randomly and writing, uh, writing wrongs whenever he stumbled across something, right? He was not... Uh, he was not really that much... I mean, he was a know-it-all, but not quite the same sort of thing, Um you know, uh, the mm -hmm. whole lonely God and everything building up the idea being, I suppose that over time, that sort of thing happens when you survive for that long, but it wasn't that case in the original series. And it certainly wasn't the case that, you know, there was certainly nothing between him and any of his companions at all, despite the fact that of course he had a granddaughter, mm -hmm. uh, which certainly imply, and you know, the second doctor certainly alludes to, uh, family members being mm -hmm. gone when he talks to, uh, Victoria, um, I mean, so, uh, you know, I, I mean, I feel like quoting, uh, I was recently listening to uh, Hitchhikers again, in particular listening to the later, um, the, the more recent later adaptations. And so the version of um, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, when Douglas Adams has the little uh, interlude that basically says, well, what about Arthur? You know, does he, in a word, um, have, have uh, sexual relations? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've spent so much time with these characters and one guy's, but... You know, they're they're not. I mean, the doctor could be asexual, sure. I mean, that, that's possible. But um, but I, nobody had really thought about it. I think um, until or, or it, it no one had actually committed it to film until now. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, I mean, there's probably good reason for it in the uh, in the context of the show in that, you know, he lives a lot longer than humans do. Uh, and whatever human he fell in love with would not, it would be a short marriage. Uh, unless I suppose they were River Song somehow. Yeah, I was going to say get married yeah. to potentially. <laughs> but I mean, that whole Lonely God thing, I think, started with McCoy. Um, you well, know, that's where you first start to get that, that thread of, oh, he's much more important than just a Time Lord. Well, the Cartmel Master plan that, yeah, I mean, again, that was... Not much of that really ended up on screen, but a little bit of it did. Yeah. I think uh, I think more of it is known that was planned than in terms of what actually showed up there. But you're right; there were little inklings. Yeah, but I mean, uh, so yeah, the the thirteenth Doctor, the kind of young dashing Doctor thing, mm-hmm. uh, came about here. The whole the whole bit of the companion, you know, recoiling from the new Doctor because <laughs> he's not. Uh, what she expected, you know, that happens in deep breath. Um, well, I mean, that, that, I mean, we've seen bits of that. I mean, at deep, deep breath really played around with it, but I mean, but the know, whole, oh, suddenly you're old and not young and cute anymore. But I suppose actually, I guess, but, yeah, uh, twin uh, dilemma. It, that's exactly where I was going with that, yeah. Although, I don't know, exactly. Colin Baker's pretty good looking, or was. Well, you know, uh, but at that time, again, he was also semi violent, but yes, um, that is a problem. But yeah, that at least we didn't have. Uh, Capaldi just had attack eyebrows. That was it. <laughs> um, what else? There, I feel like there were a couple other things. Oh, and the whole like, well, what does it really mean that you have time travel? You could do this thing where you uh, create things you need by going back in time. Yeah, that whole bit. Um, I mean, that, that's not original Doctor Who, but it's true that like, I mean, that's that's one of you know that feels like a Stephen Moffat stock and trade type thing. Yep, yep, it does. Uh, um, timey, timey, wimey. <laughs> the whole bit with uh, having to come back uh, the slow way reminds me a little bit of World Enough in Time and Doctor Falls. The whole the master decides to turn good thing is Doctor Falls. Um, yeah, it's it is really funny to see these kind of Moffat tropes uh, originate here. In I wonder if he, I, I assume he probably thought, oh, this is the only time I'll actually write this show. Is for this thing. So he put in all the things that he's been thinking about over the years about, you know, why doesn't this ever happen in the show sort of thing? Have you ever noticed? Uh, I mean, um, he did write one of the books, I believe, right? Um, I, I think he only did one, uh, but I, he, I don't recall specific. He did a short story for one of the short trips anthologies, and that was it. it okay, was, I thought he actually did a full book also. No, but, um, RTD did one. Okay. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking about. Yep, yep. Um, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah. So <laughs> it is, it is funny to see that happen. Um, <laughs> I feel like there was something else I was going to bring up, but I've forgotten it now. Um, Rowan Atkinson in this is great. I think he would make uh, a fine doctor. He was actually, wasn't he actually considered at some point? I think probably uh, I was. Think that was possibly the case. I'm not sure. I don't know. We talked about the fact that, We've talked about, I think, the fact that Brian Blessed at one point was uh, mm-hmm. being considered. Um, and, of course, um, I was going to say that, you know, we, we had Richard E. Grant in this one, so we had somebody that later popped up on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. You just put them in the right clothes, and suddenly everybody seems like Doctor Who. <laughs> it's, Except it's maybe true, Jim yeah. Broadbent. I don't know. 
I don't know. Well, I mean, broad, Broadbent, I, I think, was kind of looking a little bit like uh, Seven, to be honest. In, oh, okay. In particular, in particular you know, um, just give him a pair of spoons and let him go. Like, I, mean, um, <laughs> I yep, do like yep. the fact that, you know, there's a little color in, like, the vest was tasteful, but mm-hmm. it reminded me of, of the Sixth Doctor, maybe yep. even a little bit of, of Force Scarf a little bit with the, the color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, there have been a few Doctor Who parodies over the years, of course, but I think this is probably the best one oh, by yeah, far. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was fun. We saw another thing that Rowan Atkinson did, albeit, what, uh, 10 years after, <laughs> 11 years after the thing that we've been talking about? Yeah, this was 1999, I Yeah. So, yeah. Which is crazy. It was only six years before. That series came back. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And, and it was it was you know three years after the TV movie. Mm-hmm. As as I noted, there was the one shot that was taken from clearly from the opening shot of the movie. Yep. Well, that was fun. And, Anything else you wanted yeah, to and, say about this one? Well, and actually, I guess in terms of Rowan Atkinson's dress, was kind of looking a little bit like um, I was trying to think which Doctor he looked most like, and I'd say maybe a little bit like eight, a little bit like one, oddly enough. Like um, mm, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, that's about it, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a fun little add-on. I hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, next time we are going to be doing Black Adder's Christmas Carol, and then we will be moving on to Black Adder Goes Forth, unless we decide to stick in back and forth before that, which I know chronologically is not right, but. I don't to get know. All the specials out of the way. One. Yeah, one, and one, and the ending second. of the ending of Black Adder goes forth is is kind of hard to follow. But I don't know. Maybe we should end on a comedic note. We'll figure it out. We'll hold you in suspense until then, dear listener. Uh, but until then, uh, I noticed you phrased that in the <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. I you know I like to uh, I like to not uh, overpromise myself. I, I don't okay. want to. I don't want to overestimate things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, This has been Drew. This has been Jeff. And you've been listening to Starship Podcast Warlock. Warlock. Bye, everybody. Thank you.